We can get the we can get the hate because uh, I, I think I got some hate on that one. Oh, I think we're you, live. I think you did. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hey, what's up, everybody? Um, Mike and I almost said Mike and Alex. Uh, forgot my <laughs> name here. Do you ever get that like where you kind of have two first names? Like you have a first name as a last name that people accidentally call you Alex. My whole life, literally, really? it, it came to the point growing up when a teacher would say Alex, and I wouldn't answer. I knew they were talking about me, but I would just. I, I just wouldn't answer. <laughs> so when I first, um, when my, when Robin and I first started like going to church, right. So this was, you know, close to 10 years ago now. Um, I remember like the church we went to, they had probably 15 pastors on staff and there was like uh, essentially like classes that they had on Tuesday nights. Cause they did like just student ministry on Wednesday nights and then like adult ministry on Tuesday nights. So like I emailed him not knowing. That, so his First name is David. His last name is Brian. I thought Brian was his first name. So like I emailed him, Brian, Hey man, I'm trying to find out, you know, uh, more information. So I kind of felt like a heel, but now, um, he's a great friend, man. He's, he actually, uh, he was a, a mentor to me for, for quite some time. So yeah, man, people with two first names, uh, I, I get, I get good experience with it. Everybody with two first names. I really like <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I'm glad we, we are a, a, an awesome crew. Yeah. Um, so we were, we accidentally started talking about it a little bit before we did the introduction. Hold yeah. on. I want to interrupt you because I do have an actually interesting story that I just thought of as you were concluding speaking about the first two names. So my last name is Alex, but with an I, and mm -hmm. it comes from the French. Uh, when my ancestors came over from France to Canada, I'm French Canadian. It was Oof. Alex Desmanil. But I had never met anybody with the, with the same spelling for Alex. But there, I when I was in college, I applied at a uh, I think it was a Chili's in the Palisades Mall because I went to Nyack, and uh, the manager comes out and for the interview, <laughs> and she goes, "Is your name? Is your last name really Alex with an I?" And I'm like, "Absolutely." She's like, "Oh, I thought you were making fun of me <laughs> because her first oh. name, her first name was Alex with an I." <laughs> uh -huh. oh, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's not good." <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yep, we I got us on uh, at a last minute chat about your your yet again scuffle scuffle on Facebook. I uh, you know I I post things on Facebook and I try to be like I don't know if you've done, I try to be very encouraging, um, yeah. but sometimes I feel like I, I I like oh man I know I know some people follow me and and they'll engage with me and I like helpful. Um, charitable discussions sometimes i don't always accomplish that mm -hmm. um and and other people don't sometimes as well but i, I you know i just posted kind of like a hey i, I like to call this pink hat patriotism <clears throat> um so for those and i don't know if they use the term pcat outside of new england but i know at least being a red sox fan that oftentimes we use pink hat um fans as like a term that we use for those folks who show up to a game with the pink hat on they've never been there they spend most of their time taking selfies and posting stuff on social media they're not a real fan they're just there for to be seen right yep. so i've used that same term for patriotism 
Um, so for those who don't know, like I spent eight years in the army deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. I love America, but I, I really try not to conflate my love for America with my love for Christ. So I try to keep those things, you know, um, you know, I think there's a difference between nationalism and patriotism. And if you want to know more about that, we actually have some great episodes about that where Luke and I discuss Christian nationalism on um, Patreon. But um, yeah, so there was this big hubbub. I don't know, was it over the weekend or was it la like last end week, last Wednesday, week. Thursday? Yeah. Mid to the end of last week. About these National Guard soldiers um, where first off, I mean, if you're in the National Guard, I mean, come on, man. You know, uh, but um, nevertheless, I mean, they were they were sleeping in the Capitol building and then they were moved to a garage. I don't know how close the garage was um, mm -hmm. from the Capitol building. I think from what I heard, like it might have been a half mile or something like that. Um, so they moved them in the middle of the night and then like the media caught wind of it and started shaming whoever to be like, this is how we take care of the troops. And then they moved them again in the middle of the night. And my only thing was like, Hey, this isn't really that big of a deal. Like them sleeping in a garage. This is kind of like, this is better living conditions than, than like what we would have in other places. And, and not only that, like let the dude sleep. Like they, they just want, I, I've been in that situation before. And the last thing you want to do is someone waking you up two hours after you just fell asleep to mm. go and move another half mile or wherever it was. Um, so there was some positive feedback, some negative feedback. And, and I think most of the negative feedback came from non-veterans. So, um, and I did try to list in there, like, Hey, if you actually do care about the troops, here's like a laundry list of things that you should care more about than this right here. Yeah. So, well, it's easy. It's easy to have an immovable extreme opinion about something you have no experience with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. like I've shared before, you know, one thing that we should, you don't hear much about it anymore, the, but the VA healthcare, mm -hmm. dude, I don't know if I've shared on the podcast, but I've shared in, in other places. Last time I went to the VA, they, um, <clears throat> I have, I have back, I have, I'm in constant back pain from just the wear and tear that, that ensued from when I was in the military. Mm -hmm. And, um, the doc, you know, just asks, Hey, are you in any pain? And, well, yeah, but not any more than normal. And, you know, I'm going to to me, pain's not normal. Um, so they're like, so she's like, oh, okay, so what's the scale? And then she asked me, Hey, do you, do you want like Vicodin? Do you want, you know, so, so she started like listing off narcotics and I said, no, I'll just take the ibuprofen. That's, that's mm -hmm. okay with me. And, and my concern is like, we are so willing to provide folks who, who not only have these physical ailments, but the, you know, statistics, statistics show that, um, you know, or an overprescription of narcotic drugs leads mm -hmm. to even more drugs and, and leads to addiction and whatnot. And I want no part of that. Yeah. So I can just, I see that being a dangerous thing. So mm -hmm. anyway, Mike, what's new <laughs> with you, man? Oh, not, not too much. It's kind of, in, in Maine, thing, I mean, outside of a pandemic, not a ton goes on in the winter because everyone's either skiing, snowmobiling, or ice fishing, or just hold up in their house because they don't want to talk to anybody because they're cold. Uh, but, you know, we got our church's annual meeting coming up on, on Sunday, so gearing up for that. And 
and uh, trying, you know, trying to do the in-person and, you know, Zoom session and get people ready for that. And so we had to actually have a special uh, business meeting at the end of the year, actually a week or so before Christmas to uh, constitutionally approve um, the ability to have virtual meetings so that we fit with uh, main law and, and motions are and such. So are you, you guys got any like big, big changes on the horizon uh, for the, for the annual meeting that you care to share? Actually. Yeah. For our constitution, we are doing two things. We are uh, we've revised and proposing a new statement of faith, a more robust statement of faith. Not Ooh. that our old one was bad, but um, uh, and then uh, our, <laughs> and then we're also um, re we've retooled, and reworked how we handle membership. So we're submitting also a new article on membership. That's cool. We're actually kind of going through some membership stuff here too. So yeah. uh, we're not we're not to the point where you guys are, but we're uh, yeah. we're going down that track. That's cool, man. There yeah. was a there was a great video you shared on Facebook last week. You can you can share I, with the audience my, in case my, my not so not so uh, uh, secret skeletons out of the closet. Yeah. So my my wonderful wife had her wisdom teeth out on Thursday morning. And, uh, and so I videotaped her um, post-surgery uh, um, discussions with me and uh, posted that to Facebook. And mm -hmm. uh, many people were surprised that I was still alive Friday morning. Um, but I will tell you this. She watched the video post fog, post uh, versed fog and everything, and laughed and said, without my prompting, you can post that if you want. And I was like, okay. <laughs> now, now, I know that that's probably similar to when women say they're, or wives say they're fine and they're not. Um, but I will tell you, uh, for my, my wife's very gentle quiet, reserved personality. Uh, we fit each other very well. And I knew that I was in no danger of her being angry uh, with me. And so it's all where, where you all fall on the well, but on the spectrum, but she, she was quite, quite humorous, very sweet though. Um, and some of her concerns and um, things she noticed uh, around the dental office or people, should I say. Man. Well, hey, um, I do want to share this before we get into things. Uh, first off, I can't believe your wife allowed you to post that. Uh, <laughs> really surprised. But um, Luke is Luke is watching, so that's cool. Um, hey, I, I noticed my wife pointed this out to me last night because I, you know, I don't scour Facebook quite like um, people might think I do. Mm -hmm. But um, there was a GoFundMe that was organized on, on Luke and Lindsay's behalf. You know, there are that, you know, they found out news that their child that she's pregnant with is, um, you know, kind of having some, you know, has could have some genetic issues and, and whatnot. Luke explained it. So I'm not going to try to explain mm -hmm. it. Um, cause one, I don't fully understand everything cause I'm stupid, but they have a GoFundMe and I'm going to share the link below and I would just encourage um, our, our viewers or listeners to go to that link and share whatever you can, whether it's five bucks, 10 bucks. Um, you know, I'm sure they would greatly appreciate it. And um, 
the goal I th- the goal is ten thousand dollars. So if we don't reach that, uh, we're just going to cancel the show. So um, that's what we're doing. Wow. Yep. Well, you're putting a lot into that. Putting, yeah. A lot is riding on that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah, man. So, hey, we are going to start every week doing some headlines. So the, I'm going to read some headlines and I want you, Mike, to mm. give me your reaction. So I get three headlines. Well, right? now, now for reaction, is it like one word? Like what word comes to mind with this or just overall reaction? Overall reaction, you can even, if you like, share like what you think the article says in there, okay? Okay. Like, how could this be applicable? The first one, Mike. Cows lose their jobs as milk prices drop. <laughs> Obviously, uh, it's about supply and demand about why. why? Uh, I, I blame Biden. You uh, you blame him for the unemployment of cows? Yes, I do. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I think that's responsible. Um, I'm not. I think the unemployment. What's the unemployment rate at work right now? Is it? Is it like twelve? Oh, it can't be that high. <laughs> well, you would think the way that they talk about it. Well, you know, I just I just think of all these all these baby cows who aren't going to be able to have a safe home with nourishment. Um, Backpacks for school and school supplies. 6.7. 6.7. So I wonder what the unemployment rate is for cows. I don't know, but I, if they're unemployed, then they need to go back, go to work at the supermarket and beef prices need to go down. <laughs> I, I wonder if one precedes the other. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next headline. Mike, this is a good one. And I think it's applicable for today. Miracle Cure kills fifth patient. uh i don't know is that for like botox um i don't know for like like anti-aging could be for covid man imagine if imagine if the cure was worse than the disease well that's what they've been saying since day one lockdowns and such yeah that's and that's a i think that's a a good conversation to have, but we won't have it today. Man accused of killing lawyer receives a new attorney. <laughs> <laughs> like imagine, like Mike, imagine I, for me with you, Will. Like that's pro bono work right there. What it must be like to be the second attorney. First off, how does the man kill the first attorney? Um, I'm not quite sure. Like, was he in jail? Was this like outside of jail and now he's in jail? So like this new attorney comes in, like, how do you sit down and go, all right, let's discuss your case when you know your predecessor um, mm-hmm. was murdered by the man you're about to defend. Right. <laughs> I don't, man, has, hazardous. I hope he had a good life insurance policy. Would you be that courageous? To kill my lawyer? No. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> to be the second lawyer. Oh, to be the second lawyer. Uh, yeah. It would really depend on the circumstance. It would really depend on what led to the the murder of the first one. Really? Yeah. See, I probably, I probably like, nah, man. Somebody else can have them. Have you ever seen the? Have you ever seen the show Better Call Saul? No, I haven't. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. It's a good one. It's a good one. I was gonna say maybe the second lawyer is more like Saul Goodman. (laughs) 
<laughs> a mafia uh, mob boss lawyer. Hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, that was our headlines, Mike. Hey, can I read one to you? Uh, only if it's good. Well, we'll see. Oh, come on. All right, Mike. Mike, 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 Mike. All right. <laughs> Husband stabbed repeatedly by his wife after she finds photos of him with young skinny girl. Turns out it's an old picture of her. <laughs> I would... <laughs> I'd laugh more, but I read that headline the other day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to be so first off, to be so upset that you would murder somebody is one thing. But to be so upset and you don't even recognize yourself, like what kind of state must you be in that you don't even recognize yourself from years before? You gotta dis miss you gotta distrust your husband to begin with if that's your immediate reaction. To not think, who is this? There's more problem. going on. Yeah. There's more going on. Listen, if you do not believe in the fallenness of man and that man is inherently evil, um, mm -hmm. just read that headline. That's I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Mike, let's uh, let's get to the next part. What's in the word, man? So what's uh, what you've been what you've been studying? What's God been teaching you in His Word? Well, a couple uh, a couple things. I'm running through with my small group on Wednesday night, we're going through first Peter. Um, and just, just how fitting, I mean, first Peter is for where we are today. Uh, you know, with uh, how the, our country is just so divided. And so where is our, our hope? You know, you were talking originally, um, you know, nationalism and versus patriotism, how they're not the same. You know, we need nuance even with, with all of that uh, jazz. Uh, but people are really still to this day, and I don't want to get into it now and have us blow up, but um, really struggling with, okay, I have hope in Jesus, but things don't look really great right now. Mm -hmm. And so just the beginning of first, you know, the first chapter, first Peter, starting in 13, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and what more do we need right now as, as God's people, as pastors trying to lead the mess that is around um, than to... Um, you know, remind ourselves and prepare our minds now for action that we, you know, our hope is in the return of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, whether we have the freedoms in this nation that we think would benefit us and each other or not. Um, you know, that that's what we need to, you know, the, 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 we set our hope fully, fully on the grace mm -hmm. of, of God. Mike, I feel like I have to like put up on the screen for people that are on the show to turn their devices off or silent. And now I can't hear you. I'm in my office and there's no way for me to turn my office phone off. Like Man. I, I know. I know. Man. All right. Cool. So I was going to share. Um, we have been, by the way, I think that's a really good word, man. I mean, um, I was a little distracted by the telephone ring in the background. Well, it's, it's funny cause I had a really good family conversation cause my family 
specifically my married into family is all over the place with all of this. And we had a really good conversation, but trying to make headway with where Christians, especially national Christians, leader Christians, especially in the prophetic ministry, which uh, I, I, I don't disagree with the use of prophecy today, but people are either bearing down white knuckling these prophecies and stuff. And, and, you know, sharing all this, like, well, we see this secret code, this secret, you know, paradigm in the Bible, and now it's happening all over again. And I'm like, yeah, because we've always known history repeats itself. It's not that there's a special code, but at the end of the day, whatever season we're in, our our hope is to be sober-minded. So we need to be real calm about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And because our hope is fully on the grace of God and the return of Jesus Christ, would you? Would you? Because I think part of this stems from like the the looking into the conspiracy theories and 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 like oh it's the sign of the times or every, like everything essentially is the sign of the times. It seems like for a lot of folks, and I'm curious if you have come to the same conclusion that I have, which is that it is a bastardized form or a, a misused form of dispensationalism. Um, and, and because if you look at, and I think it, I think it neglects church history because mm-hmm. times for the church have been worse than they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the church globally and there's, there's been these kinds of signs of the times in, in most other nations where there are Christians dwelling. And I think it's just a very like, American-centric view um, married with dispensationalism. Yeah, because I kind of went on a minor unplanned rant in my sermon on Sunday about that because I, I was talking about the sheep and the wolves and I gave this imagery of, you know, the, the, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and then he takes it up again. And so I gave this imagery of the wolf standing over the dead body of the, of the, of the shepherd and with his bared bloody teeth lifts up his head to look at the sheep. And as he's taking his first paw forward, the shepherd reaches up his hand and grabs the throat of the the wolf and says, never. Mm -hmm. And and I said, that's what happened on resurrection day. And I said, no matter what we, you know, we have to realize God is not in a, Jesus isn't in some cage somewhere helpless. Jesus is not in the pit of revelation. Satan's in the pit. And regardless of whether he's in the pit or he's allowed to roam, Jesus is still in all authority and power. And the resurrection gives us that hope and that peace, Mm -hmm. regardless of of what view we have of eschatology. Jesus is the winner. Um, Mm -hmm. And while it's not that doesn't mean we have comfortable lives, we need to stop being frantic. And I made the statement. I'm like, Left Behind belongs right where Bull Moose, which is a local book music shop in Maine. Bull Moose has uh, Left Behind in the right section, which is Christian fiction, mm-hmm. not Christian theology. It is Christian fiction. Have you read Left Behind or watched the movie? Because I haven't. I have not, but I've heard enough people talk about it to 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 know that it just it, it, it's at best it's fear mongering. Mm-hmm. in my mind. But I have read, which I would recommend to everyone, Dr. Gordon Isaac's book called Left Behind or Left Befuddled. Boom. Yep. It's solid. Yep. Yeah. I only read like, I think a chapter of it. Yeah. 
Sorry, Dr. Isaac. I doubt you're watching, but uh, I'll have to read the rest. Is it so? It is good. Yeah, it opened my eyes to some of the some of the the dangers of full blown dispensational theology. Did you say the subtle dangers? Because that's literally a that's literally a, a chapter. Legitimately, it's been at least five or six years since I read it. So, <laughs> so yeah, you can get this probably just about anywhere. I think I think I got it at the Gordon Conwell bookstore, but it's probably available on Amazon. But oh, the subtle dangers of popularizing the end times, and, and um, I haven't read it, but I would agree that there are significant dangers there, and I think that they're harmful to the Christian, very harmful to our spiritual vitality. And and I'll, I got to be honest, I, there are a lot of pastors, theologians that I love that believe that stuff. Um, well, there's a difference, right, between like having like coming to a, a certain eschatological, and, and that's just shorthand. That's a, a theological term for end times theology, right? So you can be premillennial, meaning that Jesus is returning before his millennial reign. You can be postmillennial, and that he will return after millennial reign, or amillennial, which is the biblical position in which we are currently in the millennial reign of Christ. It's, it's more, it's more of a allegorical term, not necessarily a, a specific 1000 year reign. So um, you can come to your conclusion. And I think there's biblical grounds for, for a couple of these conclusions, which is why I'm not hard and fast or at least my own view, but the way like making it, a lot of people make it the gospel, right? Like they, like they, they, give it of the most imminent importance. And really you have to look at the book of revelation as a, it is a prophetic vision given to the apostle John as an encouragement, right? Not as a scare tactic, but an encouragement to God's people so that we know what, how everything works, like everything works out in the end. Christ is King, right? He is sovereign. He will be worshiped unaffected and unadulterated by our fallenness and our sin. It's meant as an encouragement, not as a tool to strike fear in the heart of, of Christians. Yep. So good word, man. I like that. Yep. Um, yeah. And I'll just share uh, what I've been working through. So this past Sunday preached on the second half of, of first Samuel two in, in all of third, all of the third chapter of first Samuel. And um, really it's the, it's the, um, Samuel's sons abusing, uh, really causing spiritual abuse and spiritual turmoil in, in Israel and God um, forsaking them, cursing them, and then also raising up a new prophet, which would be Samuel. And um, in the midst of that, just seeing like there's so much turmoil, um, whether it's in, in local churches or popular evangelicalism or all over the place, that I'm encouraged to read that and see that God holds fast to those he calls. He holds fast to them. He keeps them. He, he prepares them. And, and, and sets them forth so that, that they would glorify his name um, in their ministry. So Awesome. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> nice contextualization. Thank you. I hope you meant that in a good way. I did. Okay. Because sometimes that might be a bad thing. It could All be. All right. So, Mike, you, uh, you texted me last night. And, well, uh, you, and I, on, you texted me, and I responded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> should, I, should I share our text conversation that Luke was a part of? Especially <laughs> the latter part, the, the later part. <laughs> Which part? 
The, about the one Lost. about Luke being transgender? <laughs> <laughs> um, the one about the the one about Luke making fun of my birth defect. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. Uh, wow, we had a long text change because I'm not making it, man. Um, wow. I see. I see a gif of the crypt keeper. Um, <laughs> it went we off should just, it we went should just do rails. shows based on our text chains. Um, it went, I brought it off the rails. I'll I'll own that. Uh, anyway, I, I I I'm not finding it. So, oh, what are what are the thoughts for tomorrow's show? That's why I sent yesterday at two forty five, and then this is what ensued. Mike, what about the good and the bad of fear? like fear of the Lord versus fear of man using fear to argue, i.e. both conservatives and liberals use fear as a tactic to get people to see things their way versus the other side. What kind of fear is good and what kind of fear is, or what kind is sinful? And then <laughs> my <laughs> stupidness, <laughs> I respond with intriguing. Could you elaborate? <laughs> By the way, like I was in the middle of doing other things, right? So, so that's my excuse. And then your response is, I thought I did. Wow, you're such an idiot. I'm just kidding. You didn't say that. Last time. Uh, you're like, that is my elaboration. And then I said, okay, elaborate like I'm five, <laughs> which is a callback to the office, right? Uh, <laughs> did you get that last night? Did you? Yeah. Did you okay. Um, so... And then Luke says, isn't that the point to show or of the show to elaborate? And I, then I said, that's why you've been suspended this week. And then Luke actually expounds on this very well. So this is Luke's response. He says, Eric, Eric, imagine there's a monster under your bed. How would that make you feel? Now imagine there's a God who made and sustains the whole universe, righteously judges sin and graciously gave his son as an atoning sacrifice to redeem you. How would that make you feel? Now, how are those feelings different? That's what Mike wants to talk about. <laughs> yeah, he did well. He did a good job for the most part. Yeah. And then, and then we started talking about James White and um, how how Luke went to an all girls school, um, all that other stuff. I don't know if it was the most edifying conversation. <laughs> so, Mike, uh, I'm going to let you take the wheel, man. Uh, Mikey, take the wheel. And, and and direct the show, steer us in the direction that you want to go. Teach us about the monsters under our bed, channeling your inner Rihanna. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to kind of limit the scope, but I'm probably not going to because my mind still runs amok and goes down lots of rabbit trails as I'm trying to think about this topic. But um, I find, or I've found in trying to make sense of what's going on around us is the past four, eight. 16 year, whatever, but specifically more the, the last, you know, four to five years. Um, what has kind of brought us to this tempo and that where we are as a church, but also globally? Um, and how powerful fear truly is. Um, and I'm, I'm currently reading Russell Moore's book, The Courage to Stand, and it, it just got in my mind. Even you can't, more. You can't, you can't read Russell Moore, man. He's he's woke. Did you know that he's a, he's a liberal? 
<laughs> I know, and that's why I read liberals. <laughs> you can't... For those who are uninitiated, I'm joking. I don't think Russell Moore's a liberal, but he's 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 taken some heat in, he's ta- in the, the, four or five years. Yeah, and this book is the kind of product byproduct of the of people trying to shame him. Um, but anyway. Um, so it just got me to thinking about fear. And so the different categories of fear, because we're told the, the fear of the Lord is the, is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Okay? So there is a good type of fear, but then there's a bad type of fear. And, and I, and this is where James White came in because, uh, uh, you know, it was just going through, through Twitter, the cesspool of the internet. Um, and you know, he was sharing a video of something like the Gestapo in Canada, raiding a, uh, a, a meeting with, that it was violating um, guidelines, COVID guidelines or, or whatever. Um, and I can't remember what he responded with, but, you know, he was posting that video to show this is what you need to fear. And then in a sense, you know, so you need to fear the other side and what's coming rather than, you know, I, the use of fear is prevalent on both sides of on all sides of every issue. Mm-hmm. And that's a kind of unhealthy fear. You know, you need to think the way I'm thinking or do the things I'm doing or believe the way I believe, because if you don't, this is where you're headed. Mm-hmm. Now that can work in some ways because, you know, we even think about, you know, there are certain theologies that if we need to be maybe not fearful, but concerned that if, they take root. The church well, fear is not concern, right? Right. Like, so, so let's let's define fear a little bit. How would how would you, Pastor Alex, deal with or, or define fear for your people? I would define fear as anything that um, <laughs> inhibits you to think clearly and move forward in God honoring action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, and the concern is I'm concerned about what my, you know, the, the fate of the church in the United States, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to continue forward or I'm going to ditch um, the right way to respond to things or the godly way to respond to things mm-hmm. um, or to live. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for example, there I even shared with some family, you know, I have some deep, 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 deep concerns about a Biden presidency. But at the same time, I had deep, 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 deep concerns about a, a, a Trump um, presidency. I have deep, 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 deep concerns about, you know, things that are going on in my church. But I also have deep, deep, deep concerns about other things. You know, there, there's, you know, but the reality is a concern um, doesn't debilitate. It actually motivates. Mm-hmm. So for, for you, fear is something that debilitates. It can. Okay. Yeah. I would, I would suggest that like fear is something that, that is so consuming that it, it is the, the driving motivator for um, our actions. Right. So it infiltrates our thoughts in, in, in really reflects in how we act. So we act based on fear. Okay, so I would say I, I would agree with you. So maybe to meld the two, um, fear motivates in a way that debilitates you from properly responding the way God would have you. But it's so uncom, you know. But you're still going to respond. 
you know, it's not necessarily, although there can be these moments of like deer in the headlights. Um, but at the same time, I just see people are responding to the way things are out of fear and they're not responding necessarily the way God would have us respond. So give me an example how you can see Christians like respond in fear. <laughs> that wasn't a trick question. I'm, I'm, af I'm afraid to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> because, of, because of how many people it might tick off. But anyway. Um, well, I'm, well. Okay. Pre pre Christian preppers. Okay. By the way, I love the show. I love the show preppers. Doomsday preppers. Yes. So at the end of the day, I don't think that there's anything wrong about, you know, having supplies of food for difficult times. But there are times when that can go to the point where um, to the degree that you're so fearful um, that you've wrapped yourself up. You've almost made yourself into a silo, a, a bunker. Um, because you're you're too afraid and you've invested a lot of the money that God has given you because you're so fearful about what the government or society is going to turn into. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, how do you see like so so let's look at let, let's look at the how culture has been has been like inundating us with fear and then let's let's mm -hmm. look at like within our own circles. And I try to be more pointed with our own circles i think we see that in jesus ministry right he was more harsh with those who who were leaders within Juda judaism versus those who are outside of it so um let, let's kind of go that route route so how do you see it used uh, like in the media or social media um outside of christian circles christians are out to kill gay people oof I mean, we see that all the time, you know, you know, we even saw it in, uh, we see it in COVID, the response, like if you go anywhere and you don't follow the guidelines, then you inherently want to murder people, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's, that's a fear tactic. That's kind of shame and fear. Um, well, that seems polemical. Yeah. And in some ways, uh, the, the, pol the polemics of this, of our world is, is using fear, fear-based polemics. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so that's kind of where I see it at the, you know, just the, the over, like if you, if we have a Christian president or we have this kind of president, then we will definitely be a socialistic country. We will definitely do this. We will definitely do that. Whereas really that may or may not be true. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we, but we need to be cautious about, you know, swinging the pendulum to being fearful of what may or may not happen. Mm -hmm. You know, so for example, right now, the biggest concern in my mind that many people may not know about, but is this, this legislation of the equality act mm -hmm. um, that's going to come down the pipeline and, and some of it, you know, okay, we shouldn't discriminate on some of these things, at least on a secular worldview. Mm -hmm. um, but there's so much anti-Christian bias in there that it's going to be, it's too broad. It's too sweeping. Um, 
you know, and, and that has a concern on the level of just a Christian trying to run a business straight down to eventually it could work down into how the church functions, period. Well, it does seem like, you know, with the example that you used, that does actually seem like something that we should be very concerned about, but not necessarily something that we should be fearful about. So right. let's let's take that as an example. Let's yep. assume it passes, right? Let's assume the worst happens, which mm-hmm. from, from one account, I was actually listening to a podcast this morning um, and they were talking about the Equality Act and they said, at worst, what this can do is force churches to hire personnel that um, could disagree with their statement of faith, right? Um, so if you believe that there are two genders, you would still have to be, you, you could not like um, not hire someone because they were transgender. You would not be able to not hire someone because they were homosexual. You could not, um, you couldn't even not hire someone because they disagree with your statement of faith. Um, so um, those are some concerns, right? That, that I, you know, could be well-founded. I'm not a legal scholar, so, so right. I'm not gonna, you know, I don't want to, you know, stoke the fear even more. However, right. I think this kind of gets to the heart of where we're at, where is, okay, let's say that happens. Mike, let's, let's assume the worst of everyone's fears happen. Mm-hmm. Um, churches are not allowed to gather publicly. Um, pastors and leaders are thrown in jail for preaching the word of God. Um, people will lose their jobs if they um, claim Christ. Let's assume those things happen. I don't think either of us agree that that will happen um, anytime soon, but let's just assume that does. Mm-hmm. You know where else that's happening? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's already happening in China. Yep. Iran. And um, some of it's happening in India. So these are three places where they are some of the, uh, I'm only saying some of because I haven't checked the numbers in a while, but last time I checked, they are three of the fastest growing churches in the world. Mm -hmm. But Eric, how can that happen to a nation that was founded on Christian principles? We are a Christian nation. Well, I think chosen. Well, I think if you think that the United States was God is God's chosen nation, you're 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 really misunderstanding your reading of the scriptures, right? So God's chosen nation was Israel, right? Um, not the United States of America or any other country, and that was all based on their genealogy. But then we see in the New Testament, Jesus says that he is the true vine, obviously making it apparent. He's he's harking back to Old Testament um, um, imagery of Israel as a vine. Jesus is saying that he is the true vine and that we are grafted into him. So you see in Christ, um, Israel and the church, he's all, he, he, he is all, right? So, it's not, you know, God doesn't choose, like he can, he can operate with civil authorities to bring about his purposes. But that doesn't mean that he chooses certain nations. In fact, I was reading some statistics a couple of weeks ago. The amount of evangelical Christians that believe our founding documents were divinely inspired is quite troubling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they were divinely inspired, then they belong in the Bible, right? And, and I don't think either of us agree that that should be the case. So, um and I don't think we agree that they were divinely inspired. They were good documents. They're great documents. We've been blessed mightily by those founding documents. Um, but I think if you look at the history of the foundation of America, we're actually 
we, you know, Judeo-Christian values certainly had a large part to play in how so, uh, much was written. But most of our founding fathers, by by historic Christian standards, weren't Christian. They were they were deists, right? They were they were those who who believed in a deity, but not necessarily that it was um, it was the God that we worship. So there was that that bias in there. Certainly, like they trended towards that. But they listen. We're not for the most part. We're not talking about everyone, but we're we're saying that for the most part, we're not talking about you know folks who who were going to who are active in their church every single week who are active in the community serving Christ um, we're talking about guys who were um, had had all kinds of different backgrounds but largely were deists uh, so that I mean that's just that's historical fact like we can't get past it but there has been Christian and Jew or, or really Christian um, right. and we have to re- and we have to recognize that Christianity, was so rooted in the in the culture and the psyche of people that even Deus would quote quote scripture right. to prove their point. Right. Even the demons can quote scripture. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like it's it's not, and that's not to say they're demonic. It's just to say, like right. if that's the culture you come through, then then you're gonna naturally the, those values are naturally going to shape you. Mm-hmm. That's just you know that's just that's sociology right there. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, the worst case happens. I mean, we have to look at our life, right? So who does our life belong to? This is actually like a a foundational catechism question. Um, Comes from the Heidelberg Catechism. I don't have one right in front of me, but what is my only hope in life and death? Mike, you know what it is? No, but you're going to tell me. That I'm not my own, but belong to God. Yeah. And as such, Jesus says this in Matthew 10. He says, what I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those, Mike, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. You are in the hands of the father, the hands of the creator of the universe. And he says through his son who speaks this and Matthew records it and says, listen up, you big dummies. You have all of these reasons to be afraid. I get it. I understand. He's empathetic to us. He knows our condition. He is. He was in the flesh. And he says, you have no reason to fear because you are in the divine sovereignty of my father. So we might be put to death in this lifetime. And goodness gracious, we have the history to prove it within the, within the Christian church. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been put to death numerous times in Incredible bravery has been shown by men and women far greater than us as they have been, um, you know, thrown in in dens with lions and torn apart. They have been uh, put up in in, um, lit on fire um, because they wouldn't recant the faith. We have some that even were put to death because they wanted the script. They wanted to translate the scriptures in their own language. Mm-hmm. So we have had this happen in our history, our Christian history. 
if it happens again, I mean, it would suck. Like we don't want it to happen. We don't want to bring it on. But if it does, we can trust in the saying of Jesus that we are not to feel fear those who can only kill the body. That's it. That's the only dominion those people have here on earth is to kill our flesh. Yep. That'll preach. Man, don't get me going, man. I won't. Don't worry. That's the last time. That's the last time. <laughs> what do you have to add? Okay. Well, well let, let's let's look in our Christian circles, right? So yeah. we mentioned in our in our group chat last night. Um, I know I know Luke and I are fans of of uh, of James White. He's um, a fairly well-known apologist. Uh, very good in the original languages. He has a, a book on, I forget what it's called, but on the scriptures. He, uh, against King James onlyism. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, great dude, but very polemical in what he says. And he at least, I think, trends towards trying to stoke fears in people, which I think is, is very problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have folks like that, of course, I think in our circles, and, and I think those folks are increasing. Um, at least it would seem if they're not increasing, they're getting louder. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, fear sells. You got, uh, you're not going to follow somebody who's boring. Well, people follow us and True. we're boring. Touche. 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 Um, what what else have you seen like within our circle? So we've talked about the end time stuff. Um, uh, is there anything else that you have seen in regards to trying to stoke the fears within Christians that you have found to be problematic? Mike? Not really. I, I, I mean, I appreciate what the quote Nathaniel shared in the in the comments. We fear men so much because we fear God so little. Mm. One fear cures another. When a man's terror scares you, turn your thoughts to the wrath of God. Mm. Um, and even that, like it, it, that's a that's correct. <laughs> you know, fear of the Lord is the is the the solution to um, fear of man. Uh, but even with that. You know, fear of the Lord or fear of his wrath even is, is even a different kind of fear. Um, for example, I, I don't, you know, don't fear that guy over there because you could find yourself in hell. Like, <laughs> I, I more fear God because he ultimately decides what you do. But at the same time, that fear isn't a trembling, like, what God is a big meanie. And if you don't fear him, he's going to punish you. Mm -hmm. The reality is fear God because he loves you so much that he's provided a way not to punish you. Well, we even see in the old Testament, we see the term, uh, we see that we are to raise our children in fear and admonition of the Lord. Right. And, and we see even in that phrase, it's not necessarily a sense of like a, a an all consuming fear, but a sort of reverence that we have for God. I mean, you come before, there's certain things you wouldn't do in front of your parents that you would do in front of your friends, right? Because you have a certain level of respect and reverence for your parents. Maybe not you, Mike, I'm not quite sure, but there, there's just, you know, there's a different way that you act and we are to, to, to have that kind of reverence for God in which we understand, like he's the creator of all things. He sees all things. He holds, he holds all things together by his will. Um, 
So we look at that and go, man, I now walk in, in light of that, in, in light of knowing my father in, in a way that the rest of the world just doesn't. Right. Yeah. 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 Mike, have we beat the dead horse? I mean, are we, are we, are we done talking about fear? And the, well, let's, uh, let's interact with Nathaniel's because I haven't read um, Gurnall, 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 how would Gurney. Gurney, the Gurnman. Um, in the broader context, what Gurnall is saying, the fear of God involves a deep understanding of who God is, his wrath against sin, and his great mercy, grace, and love, and salvation. Right. So, you know, quotes are helpful, but hopefully it drives us back to seeing the full full context of, of what's being saying. But absolutely, I mean, the reality is it goes back to, to your, your your little sermonette back there is, you know, why fear <laughs> devotional thought here. You know, you should throw that in uh, our daily bread um, or Maranatha um, to be more... Um, but um, no, fear, fear God above all other things. But then my question is, I think we've targeted the, the reality, but let's target how do we conquer it? Because it's one thing to, to know we need to fear God and fear the Lord and to not fear government, to not fear man, to not fear what's in store for our church or fear the, the business meeting or fear, you know, what our, what the bills might come up short or be too, too much for us in the next month. So how do we take that everyday fear that we're seeing all around us of what, what, what's going to happen next? What, where's the next shoe going to drop? Who's coming after me next? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we pastorally transfer from that to, God's God's got this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, that's the battle every day. We, we can know intellectually I need to fear God, that he is my savior, my shepherd, uh, in whom I shall not want anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Um, but at the same time, I've got to have this difficult meeting. Mm-hmm. I've got to have, you know, I'm not sure how I'm going to pay this month's rent. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm really afraid of, you know, what Biden's going to do or what Trump was going to do or, or all of these things. Uh, President Trump, President Biden, I won't, need to be more respectful. But um, how do we transfer, translate that to, to, you know, that discipline of really adopting into our hearts and our mindsets the reality that all these things we can be concerned about, but they are not reasons to fear. Um you know, how does fear of the Lord translate to that? Mm-hmm. So I think, um, I think that's good. Cause I think we have to, I think part of it, Mike, is that we have to spend time. We, we need to spend more time in the word of God than we do. Right. So, so if we're, if we're partaking in all these YouTube videos and end times articles and, and all these other things that we talked about earlier, and you're spending less time in the word of God, those things are going to shape you more than the word of God is. Right. So I think, I think we have to be in the word Spurgeon, you know, famously said, um, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. And that's what we have to do. And we have to be in prayer too. So in, in our prayers, it shouldn't be calling down um, hellfire like Elijah on, 
our enemies, right? It shouldn't be on, on those who disagree with us or, or anything like that, but our prayers should be focused on God. Our, pro, our, our prayers should, should submit to his sovereignty and find rest in him. I mean, Jesus says, come to me all who are heavy laden, right? And, and lay at his feet all the burdens of this world, trusting that those burdens are laid at his feet and are in the hands of God. And he is working all these things together for the good of his people. And in Romans 8, when, when Paul talks about the, the good of God's people, he goes on to say um, that, that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's our good. Our good is Christ. Our good is being conformed into him. Our good is not rainbows and butterflies in America or in any other country. Our good is being in the will of God, being conformed into the image of his son, trusting in that there could be good things in this world that come. There might not be, but that, you know, our reward is in heaven. Our reward is not here on this earth. Right. I like what Palma has to say. Yeah. She's, um, she said, I see circles often dwell only on God being love, which seems to instill in many the idea that because he is love, he cannot have a wrathful or just side. I think, like, don't you think that's one of those things that we can focus on one attribute of God and neglect some of the others or, like, overemphasize one attribute over another? Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, and that's a, whenever we talk about who God is and, and specifically in describing his attributes, you know, we, you know, even in the, in our catechism, the blessed hope catechism, we say, what is the defining attribute of God? And do you know the answer? It is holy, 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 holy. Good. I didn't job. even look it up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and so we have the temptation to, to do that with all of them and just dwell on one, one attribute. Um, be, and, and really we often, and that's, isn't that what, what our sinful heart wants to do is to dwell on the aspects of God that we're most comfortable with or most, uh, you know, resonate with us. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's because we live in a man-centered culture, mm-hmm. right? So, so we want to focus on what makes us feel good and not what on God wants us to know. Right. And, and to, and to feel, you know, I do, ha- I did have an issue when you guys said that what the, what the defining attribute of God is, did mm-hmm. you guys pull that from somewhere? Like, was that from another catechism? Uh, it, it may have been based. We, we used a lot of the, the Westminster uh, children's catechism, actually the Presbyterian um, catechism. We did a little bit of Heidelberg. We, we did uh, the old AC catechism, but a lot of that, I think, came from Sproul's Holiness of God. Okay. Because um, I, uh, I, like, I agree that the defining attribute of God is that he's holy, holy, holy. However, because I taught a series when I first got to the church. Um, I, Luke just texted me. He wants to, he wants to join the show. Um, I, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, um. We're, we're obviously not doing a good enough job for him. I know. Um, so <laughs> when I when I taught this, I had I said to uh, the folks who were with me that I actually think that 
in addition to that being a defining attribute or the defining attribute of God, then on top of that, I think it's his, his infinite nature, like his infinite, inf, infinite I don't know what the word is, but he's infinite. He's infinitely right. holy. He's infinitely just. He's infinitely good, even uh, infinitely merciful. You know, he's, he, there's an, and he's just infinite, right? Like he, his, his whole nature is infinite. His um, infinity, <laughs> his infinity. Yeah, thank you. I'm not a listen. I this whole time I've been like, what's the right word? So I haven't been listening to you. I've been trying. Don't to... you have? Don't you have like two master's degrees? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's not talk. No, I've only got one, and let's not talk about it. Wait, why? I don't want to. Well, now I, that, now I, that... I, by the by the skin of my teeth did I make it through seminary? I'm not. I'm not a Bickford. I, I, I because a lot of you guys that went to Gordon yeah. Cockle around the same time came out with like a couple of master's degrees. Hmm. At least I, at least I thought that was the case. So you only got one. Yeah, I only have one. Man, well, I listen. I'm on a show with with some smart guys. We got the valedictorian who went to an all girls high school. That's how he was so good at at track and field. And then, <laughs> or, uh, and then we got the guy that, with that joke is so timely. <laughs> why is that timely <laughs> watch your news eric why what's on the news i don't watch the news anymore just uh we don't need to discuss it today no uh, for the record i'm gonna say my thing and then get off because you guys are doing a phenomenal job i'm not here to try to make up for some deficiency i feel like mike <laughs> alex think might feel like mike alex is the new and improved version of luke copeland if i'm honest but no, there's just something. We all agree. You're just saying what everybody else was thinking. In some, in some ways, in some ways, this shows for the benefit of the audience. In some ways, it's just my opportunity to get things off my chest. So <laughs> I got, I got to tell you, you were mentioning earlier how people obscure the idea of fear of the Lord by saying God is love. Um, it drives me nuts that people will grab that kind of a phrase from the Bible and then not allow the Bible to actually even define the term. The, the oh, yeah. right because love is not simply affection right. and, the, and there's a difference between god is love and love is god because right. love as though it were god well my wife was going to comment this but she decided to text me anyway and i thought it was apropos people tend to think of god is love by our definition of love when god himself is the definition not, not only is Mike better than we, me, we I need think, to have her on the program. I think Mike's <laughs> wife. You know, right? When she's not unversed. So read that again, Mike. That was so good. People tend to think of God, think of God is love by our definition of love when God himself is the definition. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. So part of the way that God loves is by judging sin. That, it's not as though those are opposite things within God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Right. All so, right. so it, it comes to, it comes. Yeah. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to get off now. I just, I'm wait, hold on. Leave. No, you have to stay because Matt, Matt's comment, Matt Broadway, <laughs> you, you see, he said, I feel like I need to shave my computer screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, dude, it overwhelms my heart with joy to see this many men on one screen with a beard. Um, I'm all for, um, you know, facial equality. Whenever I, whenever I read the Bible, the only time that people don't have beards is because they're ripping them out out of deep mourning. So unless I'm just super grieved, I don't know why I wouldn't have one. Wait, so do you... Okay, 
Wait, so do you mean like if you're making a picture in your mind about what you're reading, or are you just saying like, oh, all the all the people that you know of the Bible, like it mentions that they have beards, the all, or it doesn't the say all, anything at all? The only time I see any mention in the Bible of shaving a beard mm-hmm. is when they're ripping it out because their wife died or something. So I don't know what these guys with these clean shaven faces are doing. I it's see them with I see them with wives. They're not dead. Mm-hmm. Grow your beard already. Yeah. You know, um, and, and Spurgeon would say that it is a good and biblical thing to have a beard. He, in fact, says that it's good for the preacher to have a beard for the purpose of not having to wear a scarf and looking effeminate. He says that in lectures to my students. Uh, I'll, I'll close with this. God has a beard, so you should have one, too. No, no, God does. <laughs> what? 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 He just drops in to share heresy and then moves on. <laughs> what in the world? God. I just want to. I just want someone to try to argue why you shouldn't have a beard. Like, have you ever heard a good argument for not having a beard? I've Has never... anyone like? Have you ever heard someone say, "Oh, you shouldn't have a beard"? No, I mean, it just it boggles my mind. Why? You know, I mean, I'll be honest. It took me a while to grow in the sides, and actually, my wife requested it just because um, it itches a lot, a lot more with this. But it's getting past that point, and I'm enjoying. You get some beard oil, man. You get some beard oil. I do actually. Okay. Oh, I have some beard balm. No, I have both. I have some beard balm and some beard oil. Okay. Well, at your size, you probably don't need uh, beard balm quite yet. But I'll tell you the. But if you like it, use it. Um, but the beard oil actually helps because your when your beard gets longer, it the the hair is drawing out the oils of your skin, and it actually makes your your skin um, more irritated and and you know it can cause problems. So I put beard oil in 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 like a beard. Uh, kind of like a beard ball yeah I, i'll i'll start using the beard oil because there's not many i can't handle much more irritation in my life <laughs> you've got enough yes <laughs> Constantly <laughs> <laughs> so um man we've hit on a lot today we've yeah. hit on an incredible amount of stuff we've hit on the attributes of god the nature of god we've hit on on god's sovereignty we've hit on the end times we've hit on why christians shouldn't fear it's like we were writing verbally a a systematic theology mm-hmm. yeah it's true you know what you need to do is just have someone transcribe all your bible and banters and put it into a systematic theology <sighs> Man, I would not wish that on my worst enemy. You know how difficult that would be? Like, imagine if we had, uh, Luke says Eric is is enough irritation for anyone. Thanks, Luke. I appreciate that. Um, oh, a court reporter, man. Could you imagine, like, if we if we hired a court reporter to, like, transcribe everything? Like, how painful that would be? Even Have just you ever read? seen how they need, the like, someone explaining how to use a keyboard for that? Like they have, a special they, keyboard? Use, they have a special keyboard with like shorthand shortcuts. I watched a video of it one time. It is insane. <laughs> Josh Rice, man, killing it with that comment. I love how the guys who call the guy who calls unbearded men sissies. I didn't call them sissies. I, I Spurgeon called them effeminate. Is the one who spends much time talking about the oils and creams he rubs on his hair and face. Listen, Listen. pal, we all have our inconsistencies. <laughs> it's a it's a paradox. 
you know, it's, it, I, here's my question is like those folks who um, like have not used like throughout history, like you look at these wonderful beards that they've taken portraits of, of people. Like I think of John Knox, John Calvin, all the Johns in history, really. Um, <clears throat> and you go, man, those beards looked phenomenal. But like when I wake up, my beard's like all sorts of different like ways and, and all this other stuff. And I like I have to take a shower every morning for that purpose. And then I, I use like a special beard brush that is also like a, um, a what do you call it? Like a hair dryer. So it's like a beard dryer brush. And I have to like use it probably for like three to five minutes to get all my stuff straight. Plus all that other stuff. So I don't know how they did it, man. You know, a hundred years ago, never mind 400 years ago. I, I firmly believe that men who don't have beards want them, but God has not blessed them with the, the genetics to grow, grow one solid mane of hair. Are you attacking Josh Rice right now? No, 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 no. I'm just saying that it's not, <laughs> it's not his fault. It's not any other man's fault. It's just we, we are all dwelt different car, cards. You know, who made the deaf, the mute, the blind, the unbearded? You know, we're all... Mm. God made us all. Mm -hmm. Calvin's statues are airbrushed. I'm not. I'm not following that one. Um, sorry, Luke. That that joke fell flat. Sorry about that. Um, all right. So we've covered a lot, man, and we've given some beard beard tips. Uh, some some beard grooming you tips. Come here and get it's a potpourri. It was a little bit of a potpourri <laughs> episode, but it was narrowly focused. I think it, we tried to narrow. We tried to narrow it down. So, uh, so yeah, Mike, uh, you know, whenever we have you on, it's always an honor to have in, uh, you know, someone with such uh, theological stock, knowing that you were tapped to write such a splendid little book as the blessed hype catechism, as mine says on it, blessed hype. Um, I thank you for the work that you and, and the others have done for it, because I think it is supremely helpful, uh, and, and for all of us, so yes, God made them all, but let's shame them. That's my motto. God made you, but I'm going to shame you anyway. Yeah. All right, Mike. Well, uh, unless you have any parting shots, I think that does it for today. Nope. I love you. I love everybody. You know what? I love you too, man. We need to have like a a song that we sing to close out with. I don't what? know what it would be. Because I have friends of friends forever. When the Lord's the Lord of them. Dude, so that reminds me, right? So, so yo, that reminds me, right? So last week, you remember on the show where Luke was telling me that because I like Christian hip-hop music that I had to listen to Carmen? I, I wish I was on the show because I would have oh. totally saved you the trouble. Dude, so the next day, right? So Wednesday is usually a really long day for me because we got like the, we got, so I try to come in like between eight and nine in the morning. Wednesdays, I come in between nine and 10, but I'm usually here till, you know, eight, nine o'clock on Wednesday night. So it's kind of a long day. So I need a little pick me up in, in the morning, right? Like I need something to get my stuff going. And um, so I'm on the way in and I put on Carmen thinking that, the, that it's going to be straight bangers coming out of my truck stereo. And you know what comes on? What? Lord, I lift your name on high. Oh, classic. I love to sing your praises. <laughs> and like, so, so even the, the funnier thing was when I first started, when, you know, I, yeah. I, um, I came to faith at basic training 
and in the army. So I was about 19 years old. And I remember sitting in the basic training church service and that song got sung like every single Sunday. So this is like 2006. And I legit remember I, I had this conversation in my head. I said, did I sign up for this corny? Now I used some, maybe some colorful language at that time, but I was like, did I sign up for this? Is this what I signed up for? Do I have to like give up all semblance of like quality music? So when I heard that song, man, uh, last Wednesday on Luke's, you know, when he said, just, just put on Carmen, you'll love it. I had some flashbacks. It, it hurt my heart, man. Like it, yeah. it, it got my PTSD. He flat yeah. and all those people after you post on Facebook that were trying to say awesome, they're all being sarcastic because no one absolutely I just don't listen. If you shared a video on Facebook trying to like justify Carmen, I watched it. Like there was one that there was a Western, and I legit like I sat there watching these videos and going, Am I just stupid? Like, do I not get it? Like, what is wrong with me that all these people love this? And then it hit me, they must be mocking. Like they must be joking, right? It's, it's either that or, you know, nostalgia uh-huh. is a very powerful thing. And so they're remember loving it when they were children of the late 80s and 90s, thinking that this was the best thing around because their parents told them to burn all their Metallica CDs at camp. Mm. You know, because, and, you know, when it burns the sizzle and you hear the demons leaving the discs and everything. Um, and so we look back fondly on those days of, of good music. Um, and so we, we think, oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> but no, no, it wasn't. You were just your, your palate just wasn't good enough to, to, to discern. So bad. It was so bad. But here's the thing. Like someone told me like he was huge in the 90s and like he was on Good Morning America and all these other stuff. So I'm sure a lot of people probably came to Christ through through that ministry. So I'm mm-hmm. grateful. For it, right. Like that's awesome. I'm sure Carmen is a dear brother in the Lord. I don't want to like disparage him at all. He uses all of our measly offerings to bring people to 830 in the morning on a Wednesday. You know, you got a long 12 hours ahead of you. 12 or 13 hours and you're looking for like some bangers coming out of the stereo. I mean like some, some shy Lin type stuff, some, some cross movement, the ambassador fanatic, all that stuff. And all of a sudden you hear, Lord, I lift your name on high. It really gets you off to a bad start. It it was, it was rough. So, um, so I had to, you know, I'm not going to tell you what I listened to after that, but I had to really like get the gears going afterwards. Yeah. So maybe we should end each show with a 80s or 90s camp worship praise song. Wait, what's wrong with the word legit? I use legit all the time. I'm on the same page here with with Meredith here. There are people in my life that I love dearly who finish every statement or phrase with the word legit. And Listen. I always go back to too legit to quit. And I'm like... But anyway, you guys, you guys are maybe just too old to, you know, to, to know, to, to, to use the proper language, man. We will see. Time will tell, my friend. I don't understand the problem with the term legit. I, I, I use it all the time, like legit. <laughs> Legitimately so, you do. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, now we're so, getting uh, so other, other music. Listen, I love Bach. I like Yo Yo Ma. I like a lot of classical stuff. Um, you know, 
Metallica, I love I love Metallica. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. I can I can you know I can vibe to that all night. But that Carmen stuff, man. Mm. Mm. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> so how does your son use legit last week if he's not hearing it around the home? He is hearing it around the home. That's the problem. He's hearing it all the time. Legit. Legit. My my next time I'm on here, I'm gonna I'm gonna use it in the way that it's used in, with the people in my life, and you'll know now, and you'll understand. Um, I gotta share that. I gotta share this from Meredith. She said last year I found the Good Christian Music blog on Spotify, quote unquote. There's actually some decent music, Christian music there. Here's the problem: if you turn, if if those people title it "Good Christian Music Blog" on Spotify, <laughs> and, then, and then your response is there's there's actually some decent Christian music there, means that there's some undecent or some really bad music there. So that's that just kind of gives you a picture of everything. I think the appropriate word is indecent, not undecent. <laughs> Wait, can I not use the term vibe or banging either? <laughs> can we i really um obviously people are enjoying this because we've still got 10 viewers uh watching <laughs> um, i would love for you guys to share what are words that you heard me say or words that you probably think i say that i should no longer say either because i'm not cool enough or i'm too old <laughs> I would, i'd love to know i want to correct uh, i want to you know correct my that's ways. a fine line that's a very delicate and fine line too old and not cool. And oftentimes they go hand in hand. I mean, I mean, what is the phrase today that teens use, even if you're not one of these like, okay, boomer. I listen, I have <laughs> moments like that all the time where I want to say, okay, boomer to people, but I, I kind of feel bad doing that. It's kind of like the term when you call someone a Karen, right? Like oh, I did I, that in a sermon once and I felt I, I regretted it immediately. You should, oh man, well, you already, I'm not going to harp on you for it, but I, you know, I feel bad because like yeah. the Karens that I know are the most lovely people, right? So um, I just hate that we use their name. They're, they're, uh, well, we used to call toilets Johns. Huh. Do you feel bad yeah. for all the Johns in your life? <laughs> well, I mean, it's common to still call a porta potty a porta John. Okay. Um. <laughs> Meredith uh, announcing to the world that she might uh, <clears throat> she, she she might have abused her kids. Her <laughs> 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 kids said, "Okay, boomer," to her. She said, "I will knock your head off your shoulders, dude." <laughs> Back when I first moved to Maine and I was doing youth ministry, the word that annoyed the most out of me was they constantly used the word "epic." Like that was epic. And I'm like, if everything's epic, then nothing's epic. That's fair. I think that's a totally fair criticism. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I was looking for people to say like what words we should and shouldn't use, but apparently uh, no one's interested in that. So Mike, I might call, call it quits for today. I oh, did have a song in mind. I did have a song in mind. Okay. Let's, let's hear it. Hold on, let me pull it up. I'm going to try and pull it up on, on the Spotify. So you keep talking for a moment. 
You know, that's one music app that I've never used is Spotify. But uh, which if anybody's looking for a, a fun family, mostly family friendly, not mostly, it is family friendly podcast to listen to with your chillins, your children is um, nobody, uh, nobody's listening. They do a few of them, but it's called That Story Show. Um, and actually they have, a f- it was about a month or two ago. They had actually a, a discussion about Carmen. A, B, C, D. Now we can't hear it. I know. I was bringing it up. There was a commercial. I got it up on YouTube. Go ahead. Finish your, finish your story. No, and I was just going to say, when we were talking about Carmen, it made me think of that episode of that story show where um, the, the host actually was talking about an interview he did with, with the Babylon Bee and talking about his potential experience with Carmen. It's, but, so that story show, it's fun for the whole family. Rated E for everyone. E for everyone. All right. I love you in the evening and underneath the moon. Skinnamarinky dinky dink, skinnamarinky doo. I love you. Yo, that was a banger back in the day. I got the vibe. Little four year old, little Eric running around singing skinnamarinky dinky dink. Bye. All right, guys. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Uh, hope, hopefully it was useful for you. God bless you. Take care. And Mike and I love you lots. That sounded kind of questionable. Bubble and Vanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bubble and